Okay. Yeah, let's take this time and pray. If you guys can uh, just uh, kindly lay your hand on the shoulder of your neighbor. If you don't have one, get one. (laughs) And let's just speak blessing over one another. Just release encouragement. Let's all just pray. (laughs) Oh, God, we just speak encouragement, God, over our brothers and our sisters and our neighbor, God, right now, Lord. And, God, I just speak forth your anointing, God, even upon myself, God. I just claim it. And I just pray, God, even for more and 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 more of you, God. Yeah, Lord, just speak blessing. Uh, Father, we just welcome your presence in this place. And God, we just, yeah, come here because we want to meet you. And we want to worship you. And Father, we want to intercede on the things that are on your heart, God. We we want to come into agreement, Father, with your passions and your desires. And we want to say yes and amen, Father, to your will and to your purposes. And Father, we just gather together, God, oh Lord, in this place of just receiving. And we pray as your word goes out that hearts would catch it. And Father, that we would just catch it and that we would claim it as our own, Lord. Father, we just thank you for just being here with us. And God, just being in a place of delight over us, Lord. We love you and we exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, my heart is still so heavy from that last prayer topic. I don't know about you guys, but I'm like trying to slowly recover. Um, But God has great plans for those women, amen? Yeah, great plans. Whew, okay. All right, so... Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm all disgruntled. Um, I was having my a quality time with the Lord the other day, and I'm calling it quality time because I think quiet time is just whack. And um, it shouldn't be quiet for the most part. And also, I just feel like I've had a lot of quiet times, but I haven't had a lot of quality times with the Lord. And I really feel like that that's something that God has really convicted me about. And I'm trying to shift my heart to God. It's not about uh, just spending time with you, but I want that time spent with you to be quality. I want to give you my utmost attention. I want to be in a place where nothing will distract me and nothing will be able to tear me away from just this time with you. And so I'm just calling it quality time (laughs) now. And I was having quality time with the Lord and, uh, I'm going, I just finished the book of Deuteronomy and, uh, I was looking at chapter 11 and the first five, five verses of chapter 11, um, amongst all five, there was just a sentence that kind of was highlighted for me. And, uh, it actually isn't like right next to each other, the words, Okay, let me explain. <laughs> um, the first five verses, starting from chapter, I mean, verse two, is actually just a list. Consider this. And then God just begins to speak to the Israelites about just consider this, 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 this. And the words that stood out to me was consider that first word and the last thing that I mentioned. And it says, consider what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place. Consider what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place. Hmm. What did God do in the wilderness? What does God do in our wilderness? And I was reading that passage and I got stuck on the word wilderness. And I know for so many of us, wilderness is like, like a poisonous word. You know, like when we say wilderness, we're like, ooh, like we cringe, you know. And when someone describes their season to be a season of wilderness, we're like so ready to set them free and deliver them and, I don't know, cast out demons and whatever it is. But we have this such a a negative perspective about the word wilderness. And I was just staring at that word and I just couldn't go past it. And God's like, sit there for just a little bit. And I just started to think about what does being in the wilderness even mean? What does it mean to be in the wilderness? And I know for me, I used it in the past as 
defining a season of just hardship. You know, when I'm going through just like hard times, I'm like, I'm in the wilderness. Or if I feel distant with God, I even say, I'm in the wilderness. Or if I'm just having a bad day, I'm saying, I'm in the wilderness. And I just use it with every negative connotation um, possible. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if my definition is actually right. I'm wondering if I got it right. I'm wondering if, if I'm looking at this word wilderness and I'm shivering in disgust and God is saying, no, that's the answer. And, you know, I feel like that as I was praying for tonight, there is a bunch of us that's in this place where we've been crying out for something. And um, God is actually luring us into the wilderness. And we're like, that makes no sense, God. Did you just miss all my prayers before? You know, I'm declaring intimacy over this year. I'm declaring breakthrough over this year. What am I doing in the wilderness? Wasn't I just here? What am I doing here? And I feel like for some of us, it's as if we're thinking, man, oops, we made a wrong turn somewhere. We're not where we're supposed to be. God, deliver us from our wilderness. And God just, man, he just made me sit on that word. And I kind of want to redefine the word wilderness for all of us today. Because I actually think that being in the wilderness is key. That it's crucial. That there's something that we can't get anywhere else except when we're in the wilderness. Um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. You know, this verse always puzzled me. I mean, how do you go to a land you don't know? Like, how did Abraham pack all his bags and pack all his possessions and gather his family and said, yes, I'm going to go. Wait, where am I going again? To the land that I will show you. And, and I can just imagine how confused he must have been. And his answer was, yes, I will go. And the right when he's ready, he's like, wait, where? Am I going? And I feel like the invitation has been already spoken that this year is a year of intimacy. And I don't think that's a word just for one church. I think that's a word for this year for everyone that God has been placing on the hearts of just his people at this hour. It's an invitation to intimacy. And I feel like we heard this invitation and we said, yes, I'm going to go. I commit. I, I want intimacy. Wait, what do I do now? Where do I go now? What's my next step? And I just, yeah, I just feel like God always does that sometimes where he just gives us the minimal amount of instructions. And, and we're in a place where like, God, we want to obey, but how, why, huh? where are the directions? I mean, aren't you supposed to list it out? I don't get it. I said yes, what's next? And that God brings us to just the entrance of what I call the wilderness. And we get to a place where we have to uh, really redefine what that means for us. Hmm. Yeah, I believe that this is the season where God is luring his bride into the wilderness. And I know that's like not a word you want to hear. Like, I'm sure you are ready to expect, like, some sort of encouraging, like, yes, uh, there will be breakthrough this year, or, um, I don't know, marriage, or whatever it is that's on your heart, and that's the word that you want to hear, but I actually hope by the end of this message, when I say we're being lured into the wilderness, you'll be excited. That there's going to be an expectation that comes up, that there's going to be a joy that begins to bubble up inside of your heart as God begins to really reshift our perspective and change our definition of what that really means and what we really gain from a season of being in the wilderness. And so if we were to define the word wilderness, I mean, how would you define it? These are some of the things that I came up with. I think when I hear the word wilderness, I think being surrounded by the unknown. You know, where everything around you just begins to be unfamiliar. I think of being stripped away of comforts. Things that you're used to, that's just being taken away. I think of the idea of almost being lost, like you have no idea where you're going. I think it's a place where we are easily 
<laughs> anxious and we feel uncomfortable. I think wilderness is a place where there are a lot of unexpected trials, unexpected attacks. And the one thing that about wilderness that always stands out to me is that there's no clear path. When you even look at the definition of the word wilderness, it's usually talking about just a, a place, a ground that nobody has really set a path for. It's not like you have a sidewalk, you have the street sign, you have the, you know, the traffic light. There's really nothing there to kind of show you this is where you need to go. It's just a patch of forest and you're like, okay, I have no idea where the next step is going to be. I know for me, it's a place where it's, <laughs> where you easily feel insecure because you're not in your zone. You know, like my house where I grew up, I, I know it so well that even in the middle of the night, I always, not always, I used to um, go to the bathroom. I'd wake up to go to the bathroom, like in the middle of the night all the time, ever since I was like a really young kid. And uh, we didn't have like night lights or anything like that. But even in the pitch dark, I knew exactly how many steps I needed to take and exactly where I needed to turn and what direction I need to go in and where the handle was going to be for me to turn it and then click on the light and I know I'd be in the bathroom. It's this place of just being so familiar with my surroundings where even though it was pitch dark, I felt completely safe. But when you're in a house, I remember being in a place where I first slept over at my friend's house and it, it would like freaked me out because it's, even though you've been to that house so many times, you, you don't know it like you know your own house. And I remember being like a kindergartner and um, just waking up in the middle of the night crying because I didn't know where I was. Because when I woke up and I was expecting to see my wall and my pillow and my door and everything that's so familiar to me, nothing was set in place and I was just felt so insecure. Yeah, I think that being in the wilderness is that kind of place where you feel insecure because you just don't know where you are, where you're going, what the next step is. And so I'm just going to focus on a couple of these things, and I'm going to talk about what they do to us. And then I'm going to talk about the positives. So you're just going to have to sit put <laughs> until I get through some of the things that the reason why even the concept of wilderness freaks us out. Our first thing is unclear path. I mean, who wants to be lost? Who likes being lost? Do you enjoy being lost? Do you like that feeling of not knowing where you're going, having no direction? You know, in the States, when I drove, because I don't drive here, there's no way. Um, when I did drive back in New York, in my suburban area, and I had to go somewhere that I've never been to before, the first thing I would do is go to the internet, click on MapQuest, and print me out a whole set of directions. I'd actually read the directions, study it, double check it, and then I'd head out. Because I'm just the type of person that I'm like kind of careless with that kind of stuff. I'm not really good with a sense of direction. I mean, I've driven to like one of the malls that, that's nearby so many times. And even if I go home now, I, I forget how to get there. Like, I just don't really care about that kind of stuff. Um, and so I know that when I need to be somewhere, I need directions. Because the worst feeling is knowing your destination but having no idea how to get there. That's the worst feeling. You know, I know I'm going to the mall, but I have no idea where I'm at right now and how the heck I got here. Where you look around and you try to look for some familiar signs, landmarks, and you can't find them. Like, yeah, I've never seen that store Never saw that gas station. And the first emotion that begins to rise up is panic. You just feel panic. I mean, it's beyond anxiety and just feeling uncomfortable. People just tend to panic at that point. Just not knowing <laughs> where you are. It's that stress of just being lost. And my question is, have you ever felt that way about God's will and his purpose for your life? Where you're in a place and maybe God has spoken some prophetic words over you and you feel like you know the sense of, I think I'm heading in that direction, but wait, where am I? And, and how did I get here? And what do I need to do to get back to where, am I even going in the right direction? Like you don't even know if you're supposed to make a U-turn and turn back around or if you're actually going there. You just have no idea. 
Have you ever had that feeling about your own personal life, your own walk with the Lord, where you just were not sure? And it's not, in a, it's not like you're not committed to him, because you said yes in the beginning, God, I'm committed to going there with you, but it's the issue of, wait, but I don't know what the next step is. And I feel like the wilderness, the reason why it's so perfect for our developing our relationship with the Lord is because if we knew all the steps, I mean, how much would we really need him? And I feel like it's just this place where God teaches us, yeah, you get it now, you depend on me. Where you look to other things to be your GPS, but God's saying, no, you have nothing else right now. I'm putting you in a situation where nothing else is going to make sense, and you have to trust me. You have to trust me. Not only do you have to trust, but you have to seek me so hard to find and just to hear even the faintest whisper of, that's the right direction. You know, and you're like, I don't care what I have to do. I just need that still small voice just assuring me that I'm exactly where I need to be. God's just that type of God where he tells you, okay, take this step. And then you take it and you're like, huh? (laughs) What's next? And then he tells you, okay, now take this step. And then you, wait, okay, what's next? And then now take this step. And he just takes you little by little, step by step, because he's teaching you how to listen to his voice. Hmm. And you know, the, the biggest thing, the biggest block that we have to be careful of is just this anxiety. Because anxiety is going to begin to creep up. Because for many of us, it's not a, just about being lost. It's how long is it going to take? Like, how long do I have to be here? How long is this season going to be, really? And, you know, when you're a kid and you're on a road trip with your family and your dad's driving, you have no idea where he's taking you and where he's going. You have that a question that you keep asking him. Are we there yet? And you just find yourself asking that every five minutes and just annoy the heck out of your dad because he knows where you're going, but you don't. But it's that feeling like, how much longer is it going to take that just drives us to this place of impatience? And we're so quick to like, let's just stop here. (laughs) Let's just hang out here at the gas station for like an hour because I can't take it anymore. You know, I used to have this reoccurring dream about um, cars. I always have dreams about cars. And one of the dreams I used to have about cars is I would be sitting in the passenger seat of the car And I would look to the left of me, and nobody's there, but the car's driving on its own. Okay? And it's just driving, and I'm just like, wait, huh? And I'm trying to see who the driver... There's nobody there, but the steering wheel is moving. Okay? It's perfectly in line with the path, and all the gears, everything is being taken care of. And, And in the beginning, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is nice. But at one point, I'm like, wait, something's wrong here, because that's weird. Shouldn't I be in the driver's seat? And in the middle of my dream, I crawl over to the driver's seat and I begin, you know what, I'm going to take control because this is ridiculous. I don't even know who's driving. I put my hands on the wheel and the moment I do that, the car loses control. And no matter how hard I try to grip it and turn it this way and that way, I just can't get control over the car. I mean, I kept having this dream. I'm like, what's, what's wrong with me? Why am I dreaming this dream? And I mean, it's clear. I'm sure you guys can figure out. God is like, you're not supposed to be the driver. I don't know where you thought in your mind that you were meant to drive your own car, but that's not how it works when we're in a relationship together. In fact, when you commit to me, I sit in the driver's seat. You sit in the passenger seat, and you see how I lead you. But there's something inside of us that wants to rebel against that, isn't there? There are times where like, wait, I don't, oh, shouldn't I have the driver? And you just want to put your hands on the wheel so bad. Because, wait, where are we going? Wait, how long is this going to take? All these questions of the unknown begin to bottle up inside of you. And you feel like if I just take control, everything's going to be okay. And it's actually in that moment when you put your hands on the wheel where you spin out of control. Because the order and the alignment is just out of whack. We're just not meant to be the drivers. And so here in the wilderness, you have this unclear path. And and another thing that you find in the wilderness is just unexpected trials. You know, when I uh, 
I went camping once in my life. Have you guys gone camping before? Who's gone camping more than once? Raise your hand. Oh. Who's never gone camping before? Yes, be proud, Susie. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Krisha, supporting Susie. Um, I went camping once, and it was the best experience of my life. Like, I loved it. I was in sixth grade, and it was like a church, I don't know, camping retreat, field trip thing. But I, I experienced some obstacles in camping that I've never had to before in my life. Uh, I won't go into too much detail, but let's just say it was really uncomfortable. And you think about just sleeping and just the bugs all around you. Like, even when you have, like, your hair kind of wish you, like, freak out because you think it's, like, a spider or something like that. And, and just, I don't know, things that you don't normally worry about, like snakes and, I don't know if you're scared of squirrels, but I'm, I'm like, squirrels? Because they're so scary. Um, no, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know, just things like that, just walking around in the middle of the night trying to make your way to the outhouse because you have no idea, or actually even going to the bathroom in the middle of the woods, which I did, which was, like, really not fun. Um, and you, you end up facing all these things that you've never had to before. And that's kind of how the wilderness works a little bit. God is going to get you to begin to confront issues of your heart that otherwise would never be confronted. So you got to believe that there are areas in your heart that are considered uncharted territory where we haven't allowed ourselves to actually go there and to think and to look and to observe and to see what has happened in that area of our heart and why we're like that. But it's only in the place of wilderness where God begins to just make his way almost invasively into those areas and saying, hey, guess what? We got to deal with this right here. Or guess what? You see this gift? This gift is inside of you, but you never knew. And it begins to come inside and it just begins to infiltrate your heart. And I'm telling you, all those places that were once uncharted territory, God begins to put his footprints on. Step by step. But it only happens in the wilderness. It only happens in that place of just feeling so uncomfortable. That you have nowhere else to lean except on the Lord. That God begins to just go into your heart in such a way Man, where so many things are exposed. I mean, do you believe that God knows your heart more than you know your heart? I'm still confused by myself all the time. I'm like, wait, I thought I got over this. Wait, I, th- I thought I was victorious over this. Wait, I thought that, you know, we dealt with this area. What? Wait, what? Why, 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 why are we here again? Like as if I'm going circles. But God is, in a, he's the kind of God that just takes us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And one of the things that Lord's been teaching me is if you want to go deeper with me, we got to go deeper in you. And that means when I told you to forgive your mom, which I did years ago, he's going to take me deeper into that forgiveness and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know, for the most part, I thought, man, am I going backwards? I thought, am I, am I taking backward steps? Why am I back here again? But you're not going backwards. You're going forwards. You're not going forwards. You're going deeper. You know, and it's this misconception that we're in the wrong place, but that's not true. You're exactly where you need to be. Exactly where you need to be. You know, we did body worship for one of our um, mission trips, and it was this hip-hop body worship thing. And, like, I don't know, we just spent all this time doing hip-hop. And, I mean, after the first week, I was sore in places like, I didn't know I could be sore in. Like, I didn't even know muscles were, like, there. I just, like, was in so much pain. And I'm like, I didn't even know I could hurt here. And, and it's the same thing with our heart. You begin to hurt and feel and experience things that, like, wait, I didn't even know I could hurt in this place. I didn't even know that could affect me in that way. But God just begins to confront, massage, and move upon you. And all these unchartered places... Another thing about the wilderness, and this is just the last one before I go into the positives. Say amen for the positives. <laughs> Everyone's so depressed right now. Okay, no, it's going to get good, I promise, okay? Um, another thing is being stripped of comfort. Well, I mean, when you go camping, when you get lost, when you're in the wilderness, I mean, you don't have the things that you normally have that you can rely on. A good shower, for, per se. I mean, it, when we were on missions, I mean, we always bring those towelette things, and I'm not, I kid you not, there are days where... Days where I don't take showers, but I just take those, you know? (laughs) 
I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm clean again. I mean, you just, it's just going to happen. All the things that you're used to, some of those things are going to be taken away. My question to you is what are you leaning on that's not, a, that's not God? What are you depending on that's not him? What are things that you are banking on for support, for encouragement that's not God? You know, what are some things that when you're feeling depressed, you go to right away, but you don't go to the Father? What are some things that you go to in order to escape? What are some comforts that you have? Well, guess what? God's going to want to strip you from those comforts. And the good news, it's, it's not like it's forever, but it's going to be for a season. Where God is going to begin to just take away certain things that you're used to. And certain things that you know. And certain things that you depend on a little too much. Certain things that have climbed up the priority ladder a little too high. Things that are out of order that you know God is trying to reorder and reshift in your life. He's going to strip those things away. Or he's going to have you make that commitment to him. And he's going to ask you, hey, will you sacrifice that for me? Just for a little bit? Like, will you lay that on the altar just for the season? Do you feel like that that's blocking our relationship? Can you, can you put that down just for a little while? Oh. <laughs> oh, I love you, Krisha. <laughs> there are some things about the wilderness, and it's, it's all about losing things. You got to lose a couple of things. That's how the wilderness works. You got to lose your comfort. You got to lose some of your control because you know we want to control, right? You're going to lose a lot of your control. When you don't know where you're going, you really don't have control over this situation. But that's exactly what needs to be lost. You're going to lose some of your comforts. You're going to lose some of your way. But guess what? What you lose does not compare to what you gain when you're in the wilderness. And we're going to transition right here. <laughs> and I'm going to bring it right back to the Lord. Because what you gain in the wilderness is amazing. It makes it all worth it. Feeling uncomfortable, feeling almost battling anxiety, allowing God to come into the places of your heart. You're not sure you want him in. All of that is so worth it when we realize what God is actually trying to do in that moment of bringing us, luring us in the wilderness. First of all, do you know it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into the wilderness? You know, after Jesus Christ was baptized, it says in the word that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness right away he was led into the wilderness you know if you're having a tough time don't automatically assume that you made a wrong turn don't automatically assume that you're in the wrong place but ask yourself god what is it that you're actually doing right now what is it that you're trying to teach me right now because for so many of us we're not lost we're right in place what do we learn when, when we're in the wilderness? We learn how to trust God, number one. It says in the word in Proverbs 3, chapter 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will keep your paths straight. We got to learn how to trust in the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes control has to be taken away in order for us to learn how to trust in him. When you're in a place that's completely unfamiliar, but you have a guide, it's a different situation. When I was explaining that scenario where you, everything, and you don't know where you're going, the good news is you're not by yourself. The good news is when God invites you into the wilderness, he's going there with you. And he's beside you. And he's walking step by step. And in fact, he's trying to teach you how to follow him. Because he's there to lead you. And it's this place where we're just, we almost feel like we're blindfolded. And we have to blindly follow him and just hear his voice and say, oh, wait, wait, stop. Okay, go. Oh, wait, you're going to jump over this. Okay, okay, now. You ever have that where you were blindfolded and then somebody had to lead you around? I did that when I was in college for this sorority thing. And I was, anyway, I was blindfolded. 
And uh, I had one of my pledge sisters just kind of drag me around all over campus. And I had to trust her completely. You know how scary that was? Like for her, it's no big deal because she sees, but I can't. And even the smallest thing, like a step is like, oh, you know, just like one step. But it's like not even that big of a deal if you had perception. You know, if you were able to see the whole picture. But at that time, for me, I was blindfolded. And all I could do was trust my safety, my safety into her hands. And I'll tell you one thing. I knew her voice really well by the end of that exercise. Every, no matter what other noise was going on, I didn't care. I focused on her voice. I zoned in. I tuned in to what she was saying because I, only you know where I'm going right now. And it's not like there's no other noises that are going on. There's plenty of other noises that were happening all around me. People talking, people shouting, music, music blaring. But I don't care. I, I learned how to zone it all out because I'm, what's next? You know, step here. And it's not like she was shouting these directions. It was just like, okay, now we're going to come to the door. <laughs> you know, she's all like happy. And I'm like, Hurrah! <laughs> what's going on? And that's the thing in life. We hear all sorts of voices. We get all sorts of input <laughs> from people, from ourselves, from the world. But it's this idea of learning to tune in to just one station. Learning to dial in to just one voice, that it becomes so important to you that everything else, no matter how loud, will not distract you. It can't distract you because the voice that you're listening to is just that valuable. You don't learn that lesson anywhere else except when you're in the wilderness, except when you're in that place of just complete and utter trust in the Lord, where you feel like maybe you're a little bit blindfolded. And God is taking you by the hand and he's whispering, okay, now we're going to walk here. And now we're going to turn left. And now we're going to make a right. Now we're going to jump over this. We learn how to hear his voice. Another thing that we gain in the wilderness is the supernatural. The supernatural. See, when we expose our need and our lack, we make room for miracles. When we realize just how much we actually need God, we make room for the supernatural to infiltrate our life. See, when Israelites were walking in the wilderness for 40 years and they had nothing, the, the earth was dry. It says it was thirsty land that they were walking on. God supplied them with water from a rock. And when they were hungry, God supplied food from heaven. Manna fell. See, when we're in that place of just utter dependency on God, he began to move supernaturally. On our behalf, there's a supernatural provision that flows in that place that would not flow had we been depending on something else. I think if the Israelites packed some food and had an ice box and I don't know, those army packs of stuff, you know, and they came prepared and they're patting themselves on the back, they would have missed a whole lot of miracles. They would have missed a whole lot of just saying, man, God, you're pretty amazing and you actually do care about me. While you're actually going to, wait, well, I didn't even know this was possible. The supernatural begins to invade. It says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 15 to 16. It talks about how God leads the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, through the great and terrifying wilderness, with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you out excuse me, who brought you water out of the flinty walk, rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good to you in the end. To do good to you in the end. I mean, that's God's heart. He wants to do good to you. He wants to do good to you, so much good to you, and we forget that that good is packaged in the wilderness. That we got to walk through that. We have to walk through that in order to receive. It says in Nehemiah 9, 19-21, You in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. 
You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Something that you gain walking in the wilderness is how to learn to live by faith and not by sight. That's a principle that as believers we're all called to live by. But sometimes it takes some testing to actually understand that that's a true principle in our lives. That what's going on in the natural cannot determine what's actually happening in our circumstance. But we're learning to believe and to trust in something that's so much greater. In a realm that's so much more powerful that no matter what's going on in our reality, it will not deter us from leaving that place of peace. And leaving that place of joy. And leaving that place of comfort. That's what we learn when we're there, to live by faith and not by sight, because God is so, so, so faithful. Amen? You know, when we're in that place, our hearts are purified. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, purify my heart. We sing that song all the time. And then we're like, what are we doing in this wilderness? Guess what? God's answering your prayer. Purify my heart. Okay, this is how you're going to purify your heart. This is the way. This is the road you need to take. It takes a little bit of testing because when you want to purify gold, you got to put it in the furnace. And you got to bring up the heat real high, really high, until that gold begins to melt and all the impurities begin to drip away. And then what's left after it cools out is pure gold. In that same way, when we say, God, purify my heart, God's going to put you in a place that's hot. And he's going to raise the heat And he's going to put you where things that don't belong there are going to begin to drip off of you. The things that do not belong in your heart are going to begin to drip away. And God's saying, that's what I'm doing. I'm purifying your heart. It's a time of testing. It's a good thing. Amen? Our call, our goal, our desire in life is to be like him. This is what it takes. This is what it takes. It's good news. It's a good thing. It says that we're going to be strong in the spirit. Luke chapter 1 verse 80 describes Jesus' childhood. It's like one of the few passages that talks about Jesus as a boy. And it says this, And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So when the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness after he was baptized, it's not like it was an unfamiliar place to him. Because Jesus was actually very familiar with the wilderness. Most of his childhood was there in the wilderness. But what was going on during that time, it says he grew strong in the spirit. He grew strong in the spirit. This is what we gain when we go through the wilderness. We figure out just how strong we are. We figure out just how much we can handle when we depend on God. We figure out, man, we can actually go through a whole lot more than we ever thought or imagined. And we not only can endure, but we can be more than conquerors over these situations. We figure out just how strong we are in the spirit. And above all things, what we gain, and this is the main point, (laughs) took me like 30 minutes to get there. But this is the main point that we gain from being in the wilderness is intimacy. Is intimacy. If that's a cry of your heart, do not be surprised. Don't be surprised when things begin to get a little bit hard. Don't be surprised when unexpected things begin to pop up. Don't be surprised when things that are going to test your faith are going to come into your place of where you're walking because God is actually answering your prayer. And he's saying, you want to be intimate? Well, follow me because this is where we're going to go because this is where you're going to learn to just lean on me. This is where you're going to learn to depend on me. This is where you're going to learn to hear my voice and nobody else's. If we want to be in that place of just utter submission to the Lord, it's through the wilderness we got to take that path and walk that road. In Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? I love that verse. Kirk Bennett was the first one to introduce it when he was here. And he was just talking about, in his message, that we don't uh, schedule in wilderness times. 
You know, it's not like, oh, month of January, wilderness, you know, a circle star sticker. You know, we don't really do that. We don't really plan wilderness season in our life, but God does. And he doesn't do it to be mean. (laughs) And he doesn't do it to punish us. He does it because it's actually where we're going to come into face to face with him. It's to draw us closer to him. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved This is the greatest news of all. We walk through the wilderness. We're going to survive the wilderness. We're going to be more than conquerors in the wilderness. But when we walk out of the wilderness, we'll be leaning on our beloved. That's the position that we're going to be in. After all that, we're going to be set in a place where we're going to be leaning on him. That's a beautiful picture. Turn with me to Hosea. And I'm just going to end with this passage right here. And we're going to be looking at Hosea chapter 14. And we're going to read all the way to verse 23. Oh, man, I'm sweating like a beast up here. Woo! Okay. If you guys are there, just look up. Um, chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 to 23. And I love this passage. And, you know, I'm pretty sure even as we read it, it's going to be the the tip of the iceberg. And it's something that we're all going to have to just meditate on because there's so much treasure in here. Um, But let's just read it together. Um, Yeah, we'll just go verse by verse. I'll read one verse and you'll read the next one. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer you will call me my Baal. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. And you shall know the Lord. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. Now I want you to just close your eyes. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of acre, which means trouble, the valley of trouble, a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth and as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. Yeah, let's just invite God's presence in this place. The thing about intimacy is it's never designed to be easy. We think intimacy and we get so excited about the word and the benefits we know that flow from that word. But I know when we hear the word wilderness, 
we're so quick to want to back away and question God, is that you? (laughs) And I feel like this is going to be a year and it's not going to be terrible. Like I said, we have this bad perception of of what the world wilderness means, but it's going to be a season where we learn to be tucked into God's bosom. Just to be tucked in his bosom, the most intimate place. And to just begin to trust him. And to say, God, yeah, there are places in my heart that still hurt. And there are places in my heart that are still unchartered. But God, I trust you. I trust you. And if that's where you want to go, we'll go together. And it says in the word in Hosea that God will turn our valley of acre, the valley of trouble, the valley of burden into the door of hope. And it's in the wilderness where God begins to just transform all those things that have once been burdens and blocks and walls in our lives into actual doors that we can open and enter through. Doors of hope. And I love that this verse in Hosea, it starts with allure. That God's not forcing you. He's not going to force you to go to this place. He's not going to drag you. He's not going to pull you by the ear. He's not going to yell at you. But he's luring you. And I almost feel like it's this most beautiful invitation. Come, come away with me. Let's get out of here. Let's go away from the distraction. Let's go away from the things that have kept you occupied. And come on, let's, let's go away. Come away with me into a place where you and I can be together. Even in Jesus' ministry, there were points where he was just moving and doing all these amazing things, but we see him also retreating. And there were times where it says in the word where Jesus went into the wilderness. And I feel like it was that place where, where Jesus just knew, yeah, this is the place, God. This is the place where I first knew you, where I first communed with you, where I first learned to hear your voice in such intimacy. I want to come back to this place and be, just be refreshed. And I feel like God wants to just redefine that word wilderness for all of us. That it would be a place where we're going to actually run to. (laughs) That as he begins to push us out and the amazing destinies that we all have, there are going to be times where we're going to find ourselves going back voluntarily. Wait, hold on, pause. I got to go back to the wilderness for a little bit. Because I need to just spend some time with God. And so, Father, I just pray all across this room that there would be a renewing of our minds. God, that there would be a clarity that would be released right now. And, Father, the invitation to come away with you, God, I pray that you will begin to stir in all of our hearts. God, to come away with you. And even though that means that we got to lose a couple of things, Father, that we would gladly say to you that it's worth it. God, that you're worth it. Father, that everything we have to gain is in you. It's in the, in the place of intimacy of your presence. And if that means I got to lose my way, if I got to lose some control, if I got to lose some directions, if I got to lose uh, some things that I'm, I'm comfortable with, God, it's okay. I'm ready to throw that all down. And God, I want to take that first step to follow you into the wilderness. Can we just make that a prayer tonight? Can we make that our prayer tonight? That we would just begin to acknowledge, yeah, this is a place where you're going to begin to answer my cry, my longing for more. We've been praying for more and God's saying, yeah, I want to show you that more, but you got to follow me. This is the place I'm going to show you the more. And so let's just begin to pray. I just want you to feel free to pray. And I want you to just commune with the Lord and just have a conversation with him. And just talk to him. Yeah, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, God, you're worth it. God, you are worth it. You're worth the discomfort, God. You are worth, God, the, the waves of you in fighting anxiety. You are worth it, God. You are worth it, Lord, to know you, to know you, God, to know you in that way. Daddy, you're just so worth it. Hmm. And I feel like what God is saying is there's a few of you that have been really seeking the Lord and questioning where you're at. And I feel like the word of the Lord to you is that you're exactly where you need to be. And some of you have been facing some obstacles and actually some trials. And you're a little confused because you've been listening to all the promises and all the good things and all the prophetic words. And you've been cherishing that in your heart. And yet you're hitting some tough times and you're asking yourself, wait. What's going on? And I feel like God is saying to you, you're exactly where you need to be. You're exactly where you need to be because I'm luring you in to the wilderness. Hmm. And so if you feel that, I just want to give an invitation. And take this really seriously. Because when we commit something to the Lord, He holds us accountable. It's what it says in His Word. He holds us accountable to the words that we say. But I want to give this invitation, and it's not one of, you're going to be perfect, but it's a one of, this is my heart. This is my desire. And that's, if you're willing to enter this place where you know you're going to have to give up some things, where you know you're going to have to give up some things that have kept you comfortable for a little too long. And yet you're saying, God, you're worth it to me. Because I don't want to miss this chance. I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to miss this door of this, this invitation that you're presenting. If that's your heart, I want you to just stand to your feet.